0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit Rccjax.com Everyone has seen Star Wars, right? So there may be some spoilers. I just, I want, we both, what? Some of us haven't seen it yet? Um, no, there will be no Star Wars spoilers today. Now maybe... Next week, so make sure if you're going to see it, you see it this week, so that way we're totally free to be able to use them moving forward. Um, so this morning, I want us to kind of think about those relationships that we have in our family, because some of us were were a little leery of the next five to ten days, the time that we're going to spend with our family. Like it doesn't always look like the Norman Rockwell pictures when we think about the time, when I reflect on what Christmas was like uh, with my family, um, what Christmas is like with my extended family, it doesn't look like the Norman Rockwell paintings. It's much more like an SNL skit or Christmas vacation. Uh, You know, you've got the, the crazy cousin and uncle, and there's all kinds of craziness that kicks off. And I think for us as a church, uh, this is it. This is like the huddle. This is the team huddle before we engage in that in that time when we engage with the rest of our family. And so, I want to talk about how we love our family. And when I say that, it's hard because I'm not saying our. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> I, I, how we love not not the family that we live with. So. It's, it's the family that, that we don't interact with as much. So for example, if you're an adult, it might be how you love your parents now that you're an adult. If you are, are, are an adult uh, and, and, and your kids are adults, how do I love my kids? And it gets more complicated. How do I love my parents that are divorced? How do I love my divorced mother's new husband? How do I love that sibling that I talk to once a year. How do, I, how do I love my somewhat racist grandmother? Right? <laughs> We've all got one. Um, how do I love my drunk uncle or my freeloading cousin Eddie? How do I love them? How do I love my ex-wife's new husband? How do I love my ex-husband's new wife who's mothering my children? How do I love these complicated family relationships. How do I love them? Your in-laws that you will never live up to their expectations and they tell you that. How do I love them? Your adult child that comes home from school and knows exactly how to push your buttons. How do I love my unbelieving family members who think I'm crazy? These environments that we're talking about that that many of us I don't want to say all of us, many of us, that's what the environment looks like that we're going into. It's characterized by broken relationships, topics to avoid, underlying tensions that are just waiting to boil over, unresolved hurts, a difficult environment for us to go into. And I think this is going to be hard. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. We're going to pray in just a second because I just think there's so many ways for this to go sideways. There's so many opportunities for our own issues to get in the way and for us to get it wrong. We can feel so defeated in this time when we feel like I'm a failure. I'm not a good Christian. (laughs) I go back into my own patterns of behavior. I feel like I go, I, I become somebody that I'm not when I'm with these people. They make me crazy. Some of us feel that way and the enemy whispers to us you're not any different you're not any different you haven't changed we be- begin to doubt this is what a lot of us go into this is what the environment looks like it's not good i'm not let me say i'm not saying that this is the way it should be but it's the way it is if we're if we're going to be realistic and the thing is it's not new it's not new. You would, you would think that maybe this is new, right? With the divorce and things like that. But, but always, always, you go back and you look at Old Testament, there are some jacked up families, right? You look back and, and, it's, and it's jacked up. Everyone back to Cain and Abel, right? Killing each other, like going after each other's throats. So We're talking about all the way back to, to the beginning of time. Joseph, Joseph and his brothers, think about Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery. Imagine Christmas. Hey, remember that time, you guys? That was funny when you did that. You know, like, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to let you know, because some of us, we think everyone else's Christmas is like Norman Rockwell. That's not accurate. For most of us, that is not accurate. For most of us, it's much more Old Testament. <laughs> For many of us, it's not like that. So let's pray. <laughs> now, here's another thing before you pray. This could be awkward. This is why we're going to pray. You may be here with your drunk uncle, right? <laughs> he may have come into town early, so you have to make eye contact with me the whole time. Do not look to the side. Let me pray. God, I pray against... Um, the enemy's opportunity to lie to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one, not me, not any of my words, but Holy Spirit, you would be the one to lead us into truth. Now, more than ever, we need you. We need you as a helper. We need you to make up the difference. We need you to lead us this morning, protect us from ourselves, and speak truth. So this morning, we're talking about how do we love our family, and specifically those members outside of our home? Because I think there's a lot of guidance. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, sermons that we have about how we love our spouse, of how we love our children. What we're talking about is how do we love that family that's a little bit more awkward. It's a little bit harder to think about the scriptures that might apply to that. And so we're going to be looking through some of those, those passages that are a little less common um, this, this morning. So the first thing how do we love our family? We love them by pursuing peace. We love them by pursuing peace. Romans 12:18. Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All those people we just talked about. Paul would say live at peace with everyone. That's a, that's a tall order. We are, we are called to live at peace with everyone. Those people that we don't want to live at peace with, those people that we want to pretend like we don't know, <laughs> we are called to live at peace with them. But he says, if it is possible, this is important for many of us, it may not be possible It may not be possible. If it is possible, you need to know that that relationship that you feel defeated in, that relationship that you feel like you are a bad Christian, you feel like, I don't even know if I have the Holy Spirit because I cannot live at peace. He says, if it is possible, with the implication that you may not be able to live at peace, you may not be able to have peace in all of your relationships, but... He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, we love our family by pursuing peace. As far as it depends on us, we want to live at peace with everyone. Have you pursued peace? Have you pursued peace with those people? And here's the thing, peace is more than the absence of conflict, right? Peace is more than the absence of conflict. Many times, the path to peace starts with conflict, <laughs> right? Many times, the path to peace starts with conflict. We should minister from a place where we have experienced peace with God. And now our hope, our desire is to manifest that peace here. I always hate, I always hate the, the way that um, people talk about They'll, they'll misquote Luke 2. You know, they put it in commercials and stuff and peace, that we should be at peace with, with all mankind. This idea, that's not what it means. That's peace with God. Goodwill towards man because he has given us Jesus and he has, he has given us a peace with him. We don't have to worry about becoming, getting peace with God. He's given us peace in Christ. That's the peace that is promised to us as believers Now we want to manifest that peace in relationships with other people. As far as it depends on me, I want to live at peace with everyone. I want the peace that I've experienced with God to be manifested in my relationships, to come to fruition in those relationships. It should not be a fake peace. Because I feel like that's what it is, is when, you know, we see a Coke commercial, and they're talking about peace on earth, goodwill towards man. And it's like, it's not a Coke commercial, people. People. That's fake. That's pretending like we're not at war in all different ways of war, that the kingdom of God is opposed, that there is conflict. There's conflict in our relationships. We don't want fake peace. Bringing it back to the next five to 10 days. We don't want to fake peace in our family. We don't want to just avoid topics. We don't want to just look the other way. We are called to be peacemakers. Jesus says it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peace, not the peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. We make peace. There was conflict. There was division. There was issues. We are peacemakers. We don't avoid the conflict. We don't just pretend like it doesn't exist. We make peace. We don't keep the peace. Oh, let's just go over here. Let's just avoid this person or let's not be around this person or or let's make sure these two people aren't in the same room or let's not bring up this, this topic. We are called to make peace. But as far as you have any part in that, as far as it depends on me, and we have to ask the question, have I done what I can to make peace? Have I done, as far as it depends on me, have I done everything that I can? Full disclosure, I really debated how to share this, right? Because I, I, I want i want to be honest. I feel like I know you. I feel like we can share this. Um, you know, I, haven't, I haven't spoken to my dad in over three years. And so, you know, that's, that's, a bad, that's a bad deal. A lot, of, a lot of my thinking about these passages is me reflecting on have I done everything that I can to be a peacemaker in, in struggling with, am I even qualified to preach this sermon? Am I even qualified to preach on a Sunday? I haven't spoken to my father in three years. There's, there's this relationship that there is not peace. And the struggle is, have I done everything that I can? I have to wrestle with that. Have I owned my part? And this is what I want to be clear on. I own a part of that. Please hear me. I'm not trying to point the blame. I want to honor the fact that I just told you about my relationship with my father. I want to honor that and tell you, it's not all his fault. It's not all his fault. <laughs> I'm I going to say anything. <laughs> There's a part of it that is my fault. And I need to, have I owned it? Have I owned that part? what depends on me what depends on us in those relationships what can we do one of the things is we confront we call a spade a spade we call out the truth a peacekeeper not a peacemaker a peacekeeper will say hey there's no problem here everything's good hey merry christmas how's the family and pretend like there's nothing wrong Pretend like there's no division. Pretend like there's not issues. We are called to do something different and that may involve confrontation. It may be just saying, hey, there is a problem here. There is a problem here and I don't want to pretend like there isn't. I want to be authentic in my relationship. I want to be truthful. Confrontation may be the path to peace. But confrontation, and, and here's what's so hard about this sermon, is I feel like this is a, a path to all different sermons, right? We've all heard about confrontation, right? This isn't a sermon about confrontation. This is just a sermon that might say, that might be the tool that you need to pull out of your tool bag and apply in that relationship. Is how are we as Christians called to deal with confrontation, So many times we apply it to our coworkers and we apply it to our, you know, people that we have these remote relationships with, but we don't apply it to the relationships that are closest to us because we just want to avoid it. Peacemakers will confront in a loving way, always moving toward the other person, always moving toward them, full of grace, the grace that we've received, the grace that we celebrate. We extend that grace to our family members And, okay, so this could blow up so badly. This could, like, all these confrontations are going to happen. River City Church's families are going to implode. I am not saying you need to confront your family about everything. Choose your confrontation. I know you want to talk about that post about Donald Trump, and you really, or Bernie Sanders, and that meme that went around, but that's probably not the confrontation that needs to happen. That's probably not a conflict that you were called to engage in. Make every effort to live at peace, right? I don't need to avoid avoid useless conflicts, avoid worldly issues, and focus on eternal. Focus on heart, real issues. Check your motives. This is so hard. This is so hard. You cannot go from this place. I am telling you right now. Do not go from this place immediately into a conflict. You should be in community with others. If you are married, you should have a spouse that will tell you, dude, that is your issue. Or, no, that's something that you need to bring up. Like, you should have, if you have a spouse, you should be relying on that spouse. Even if you do have a spouse, you should also have a community of believers. This is is a community of believers. If this is your church, you should have authentic relationships here where you, can, where, where you can say, man, is this a conflict worth taking on? Is this something that I need to bring up? Is this something that I need to deal with? Is this something that the Holy Spirit is doing? Or is this just my own brokenness and my own desire to hurt this other person that I want to have a conflict or a confrontation? Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable with someone before you engage in something like this. So that relationship with my father it kind of, it got to the point where this is what I felt like God was saying. is like, you cannot pretend like it doesn't exist. You cannot pretend like there's not issues. You can't, that's not, that's not peace. You're, you're giving a false impression and you're falling in to this thing. And so I met, I talked to Kit and she was very upfront about the parts that I needed to own. And I met with my guy friends that I have done life with that are in the church that, that that know my heart and they know my issues they know my baggage and i said help me <laughs> what should i do and they they helped me understand the parts of it that that were me and the parts of it that weren't so that when i went into that confrontation i i i, I could say look i'm moving towards you i love you i want peace but here are the things here are the things that i'm, I'm sorry for and here are the things that, that have hurt me and I could not have done that. I'm, I will tell you this. I could not have done that without a community of believers around me that helped me. Some of us, it's, it's going into the conflict. It's just calling out the truth. Some of us, it's offering forgiveness. Again, this isn't a sermon about forgiveness, but that might be, you might need to pull that tool out of your tool bag and apply it You've applied it for forgiving somebody at work or forgiving someone else but maybe you need to apply that in this case and going into this season when you're going to be surrounded by your family and there's people that maybe you still haven't forgiven. This is your chance. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning with you is to say it's time for you to let go of that unforgiveness. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's There's some hurt, there's some wound that you would like to just pretend like it's been resolved. You would like to pretend like we've all moved on. There's no reason to bring it up. But the Holy Spirit might be telling you this morning, no, you need to go to that person. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to own your part of it because you are a peacemaker and the peace that Christ has given you, you want to extend that to others. And the way that that peace is going to come about is by you going to that person and and asking for forgiveness if we're going to love them, if we're going to love our family, we're going to pursue peace, a true peace, not the peace that the world offers, not a fake peace. We're also going to love them by sharing Jesus. We're going to love them by sharing Jesus. I remember when I became a Christian, right? So I was in, I was in my 20s, and I, I mean, it was radical. When I became a Christian, it was, I believed it all. It was like, it's, it's true. And, and, and I couldn't believe that everybody's life hadn 't changed as a result of Jesus and it and it was it was just life changing when I understood that the kingdom of God the rulership of God was so close that you could experience it that you could taste it that in spite of everything that i 've done in spite of anything that 's ever been done, God has made the move in a world filled with religions where people are trying to chase after God he chased after me and in Christmas we see that in a baby the, the God of the universe would humble himself to pursue me, to love me. That's that's the gospel. And when we come to terms with that, when we really understand it, we want to share it with everyone, don't we? I love love a new Christian. They are so fired up, right? Because we can forget. Those of us who have been walking for a while, you forget when it was new, when you went from death to life, and it's sad. But I remember that first Christmas, Whoa, my family was in for it. When I showed up, books on hell in my bag, ready for some conversations about Jesus, right? Like finding every opportunity to talk about Jesus with your family. Have you seen that new show, Friends? I, I became a Christian in the 90s. Seen that, seen that new new show, Friends? You know who else is your friend? Jesus. <laughs> that Jennifer Aniston, she sure is hot. You know what else is hot? Hell. (laughs) You know, looking for every opportunity to share Jesus with our family. And it's so, Ian, I felt so defeated. I felt like a failure. I'm like, maybe God messed up. Maybe I was the wrong one. Maybe he was going after somebody else and I got in the way because this is not working the way it's supposed to. And I remember reading this passage that we're going to look at and being like, oh, thank God, oh, thank God, it's not just me. So this is from Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 53. Jesus' ministry is in full swing at this point. He's got thousands of people that are following him. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother, mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What does this mean? How do we apply this? I don't know. But there is something there. There is something there that Jesus, hopefully the perfect evangelist, hopefully the perfect one to express the gospel to his family, said, Uh oh. Only in his own home does a prophet not have any honor. No one will listen. It's better for me to go somewhere else than to be in my own hometown. It's better for me to go somewhere else than to be in my own home. It doesn't mean that he didn't share because he went there to share. And he did share, but it wasn't received. And he had to go on. Many of us, we feel defeated. I was talking to somebody who someone actually told them, they said, oh, I can't believe your family's, like, I would expect all your family to be Christian. You're a Christian. I would expect them to be too. And it was like this, like, like, oh. oh. That's not the way it works. I wish it worked that way. It doesn't matter how zealous you are. It doesn't matter how real Jesus is in your life. You should share Jesus with your family, but it may not go the way you want it to go. It may not happen the way that we want it to happen. And so those of you who are you know, going into this season, we should be strategic about how we share Jesus, but recognizing that it may be through prayer that God's going to break through in their life. It may be through other people. It's so funny. Like, over the over the years, other people have intersected with my family and, you know, shared. And they share, like, barely anything. And my whole family's like, oh, that makes so much sense. And you're like, okay, that's great. Yay, Jesus. You know, like, but deep down, you're like, why didn't you hear it from me? It's because you have no honor. <laughs> no one cares what you say. <laughs> They didn't say that, but they thought it. We love our family by sharing Jesus. We love our family by being Jesus, right? We love them by being like Jesus. And it may take a lifetime of living like Jesus. It may take years of us living like them, but we show them, we demonstrate the gospel in the way that we live, in the way that we love others, in the way that we show them, look, this is how I can live. This is, this is what the gospel looks like lived out. It's not about fire insurance. It's about the way that I live my life today. Living out like Jesus. Jesus, a man on a mission, right? We should have a purpose. We should be advancing the kingdom of God. We should be advancing the good news. Blessed are you that thought you were far away. Blessed are you who thought that God didn't care about you because guess what? He's come to us in the form of a, of a baby Jesus. He lived the life that we should have lived and he died, that we couldn't live and he died to death that we should have died. This is the good news. that You can draw close to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. When we live that life out, it draws people in. It can draw our family in, being on mission. But again, we're talking about our family. Mark chapter 3. Then Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Big crowd. So many people. They're ministering like crazy. People are dying to hear this message of the good news of what God is doing, that the kingdom of God is manifest in a way that it hasn't ever been. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. How do you think he felt? How do you think Jesus, the Son of God, felt when his family came to take charge of him, the King of Kings, the Messiah, a man on a mission, a mission that would lead him to the cross, that would ultimately lead him to a place of of being on his own, to experiencing a death that he didn't deserve? How did he feel? To know that the people who knew him, who lived with him the longest, maybe didn't know him as the best, but they certainly lived with him the longest. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was out of his mind. How did he feel? We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with us. Going into this season that we're about to go in, we do not have a high priest who isn't aware of what it feels like to have your family think that you're crazy. In fact, if we live like Jesus, it might happen that our family thinks we're crazy. Last week I was talking to a girl in the church and she was sharing how when she graduated from college and she felt like God told her to go and do ministry in India. And her family thought she was crazy and told her, you're crazy, don't do it. There's a conflict there, right? Well, do I listen to my mother and father? Or do I go do this thing that I think God told me to do? Do you see the conflict? I I believe if we live the life like Jesus, if we live a life on mission, those conflicts may happen. And we have to do like Jesus did. We have to continue on the mission that he's given us. She did, by the way. (laughs) Picking up in verse 31. So they go to take charge of him. Verse 31, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. Jesus is inside. He's not out there. They send somebody inside to get him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Ooh. Wow. What does that mean? I'm I'm trying not to take any liberty with these passages because I think there's so many opportunities for it to go sideways, like I've said. But I think it is safe to say, Jesus, a man on a mission, being like Jesus, being like him, may require boundaries. There was a barrier between him and his family. There was a protection for him I am with my community. I am with the people who are on the mission that coincides with the mission that I am. I am with my community, my family of believers who are also looking to experience the will of God. We want to know what he has for us. We want to advance the gospel. We want to advance his kingdom and his rulership and his reign and we want to share the love of God and that may require us to put up boundaries. For us, going into The season that we're going into, we may need to put up boundaries. We may need to protect our community. This happened to me at one point when Kit and I started having kids, and you know my family had always gone to this you know just dead church on Christmas Eve, and it's like, well, because that's what we do on Christmas Eve, we go to this church, and I know, but it's boring. Yeah, but we do it because we're supposed to. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm part of a church. I'm part of a community, and I want to be with them on Christmas Eve. And my family's like, that's nuts. You've got to go to boring church with us. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I need to protect my community. I need to put up a boundary and say, Christmas Eve is about the Rossi family preparing for Christ coming. No, it's not. It's about family. I would say no. I did say no. we're going to be here on Christmas Eve. (laughs) You may need to put up boundaries to protect your community of believers. You may need to put up boundaries in those relationships. Certainly, I'm just going to throw this out there. There is no more intimate community than that is between a husband and wife. And for many of us, that's the boundaries that need to go up. When we engage our family on mission, Kit and I are on mission, make no mistake. The Rossi family, we are on a mission to advance the gospel and to love people the way that Christ has loved us and we wanna demonstrate that. We are on a mission and I have to protect that most intimate community between her and I. There should be nothing that comes between the husband and wife, so much so. Now this, I feel absolutely confident. Husband and wife, there should be nothing that comes between them, they should be one. One. They should be unified. They should be indivisible. They should be one unit. And so as you go into the season where it is so easy for the two to get separated, for the two to feel that pull, you may need to put up boundaries that says, no, we are on mission together. So I will not engage in this conversation that will separate my spouse and I. I will not do this thing that maybe doesn't fall in line with the mission that we're on. You may need to put up boundaries. Again, man, this is so scary. Pray. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I've been praying for weeks that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that leads you into this, of what that looks like. Because this should not be an easy out. It is so easy to hear that and say, I'm going to put up some boundaries. And by putting up boundaries, what you're saying is, I'm going to be a peacekeeper. I'm just not going to be around that person. Because when I'm around that person, things go bad. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying you may need to put up boundaries, but you are still called to be a peacemaker and you are still called to be on mission. And so you should not make that decision in isolation. If you're talking about putting up boundaries, you should be having that conversation with your community. You should be having that conversation with your spouse. It shouldn't just be an easy out. We, as a community, are on a mission to advance the gospel. That's only going to happen if we engage people. So how we put up those boundaries, I think, is important. We love our family by being Jesus in their lives. And it may mean that they think we're out of our mind. It may mean that we have to put up boundaries, but we should have great expectations of what God can do. We know what he's done in our life, and it had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with him. So why would it be any different for your family? James, the brother of Jesus, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. I don't think it's a far stretch to think James was one of those brothers that went to get Jesus because he thought he was out of his mind. You want to talk about a miracle? What would it take to convince you that your brother was the son of God? That's a lot. (laughs) Your siblings. This is a miracle that happens. And so we live a life like Jesus in the hopes that one day, It's going to come to them, but it might not happen the way that we think it's going to happen. So we love our family by pursuing peace, and peacemakers pursue peace. They don't pretend like it's there. We love our family by sharing Jesus, even if it's not received. We love our family by being Jesus and living life on a mission. We can't do it alone, and we can't apply a lot of these concepts by ourselves. We need a helper. And that's why Jesus said, I will send you one. I'm not gonna leave you like orphans. I will give you power. I will give you leadership into truth through the helper, the Holy Spirit. So let's stand and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We wanna make ourselves vulnerable this morning. We want to tell you that we know that we are broken. We know that we have issues and that's why we need you to show us. Lead us into love. Lead us into that place where we can demonstrate the peace that we've experienced in our relationship with you. Remind us of your great love that you have demonstrated to us in Christ. Speak to us now, we pray as we consider those people in our family, we consider those relationships. Draw us this morning, we pray.